0: Our attention on the Riabu podcast today shifts to Malaysia, where small and medium enterprises have been doing it tough as a result of COVID, just like everywhere else around the world. And just like everywhere else, the big government handouts or support for companies to survive the COVID crisis are also going to run out in the not-too-distant future. In October, the six-month moratorium on loan repayments will end. Uh, 90% of the 15,000 member strong SME Malaysia grouping apparently took advantage of these loan moratoriums. But even though business has been open again since May the 4th, the question, of course, is whether those companies are able to make enough revenue in order to pay off uh, those loans once repayments have to kick in again. Um, And at the same time, if the bank loans uh, weren't going to tide you over, well, there's always the loan sharks, right? The, what you might euphemistically call the informal lending sector. But when loan sharks charge upwards of 2.75% a month, which works out to 33% a year before you reach for the calculator, you can see that a lot of Malaysian small and medium enterprises are in big trouble. Simon Littlewood joins me once again to kind of mull over what you know people Simon people talk about the second wave of the virus actually it's the second wave of the economic decline that it looks like we're heading towards
1: yes I mean irrespective of what happens with the virus and uh, many people as you say think there might be at least two waves um, what we're reading here is the recognition by SMEs that government help uh, will end um, and the fact that explicit fact rec- explicitly recognized in this that some companies are actually deferring the day of insolvency by relying on soft loans and the government limitations on the requirement to pay loans. Those limitations in, uh, in uh, Malaysia last six months. I think I'm writing saying that in Singapore, they currently only last three months. So it'll be interesting to see whether the government policy in, uh, in Singapore will change um, as we continue to suffer the effects of COVID-19.
0: in a previous podcast simon you were commenting that once a privilege had been granted it's very hard to take it away uh people simply get used to it so but on the other hand they can't possibly have loan moratoriums indefinitely at some point the buck will have to stop right
1: well you say that i mean i I think the point you know the point is that the, the it's the political cost of taking them away once people get used to them so if we assume that the Requirement is for some kind of continuing government support in order for a large number of SMEs not to become insolvent. Then the political cost of taking that support away uh, is the cost of large amounts of unemployment. SMEs being the biggest employer in both Singapore and Malaysia, um, and um, and also potentially a serious hit to the housing market, since most SME proprietors, 70% in Singapore borrow money with the security of their home at risk yeah so um so the political price would be quite high um that doesn't really solve the problem the problem is there's no revenue coming in so if there's no revenue coming in the government's putting money in my bank account and i don't have to repay my loans i keep going i do what i can to cut costs but at the end of the moratorium when i've got to start making all these payments again unless revenue is substantially recovered bearing in mind that these liabilities are accrued. They don't go away. It's a, a moratorium, which means you don't have to pay me now, but you will have to pay me in three months or six months or whenever the moratorium is lifted. Um, what happens then? Um, that's very, very difficult. And I'm not sure that politicians have really got the answer to that. You
0: know? Well, let's let's take the, the example of the hardware stores where Sure enough, you know, as a result of everybody being at home, we've all had a lot more time to look at the cracks in the ceiling. We've all had a lot more time to consider the hinge that needs fixing and whatever other DIY requirements you might have around the house. But that only makes up 30% of hardware stores' uh, takings. Now, I grant you retail is because they don't issue invoices usually. um, Retailers are are not usually the focus here at Rehabo. But 70% of their revenue comes from the construction sector. So does that not mean that instead of continuing moratoriums on loans, perhaps the the answer is pump priming of certain sectors, which will then result in demand for SMEs, products and services, pump priming construction, so that the hardware stores, for example, sell more cement.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you may recall we talked about construction in Malaysia some time ago and the significant impact that government... Constru- government construction and government investment in construction already has on the sector, so it's not clear how much more they could do. It's funny you, you mentioned the um, the upsurge in home DIY, and I was frantically looking around to remember the last time I did anything that could reasonably called DIY. <laughs> um, I did uh, I did do the washing up about three days ago. Does that count? Uh,
0: <laughs> did you do it yourself?
1: Yeah. Uh, no.
0: Um, oh well, then then that doesn't count. Well, uh, okay.
1: Damn. I should have. Should have. <laughs> Yes, of course I did. Um, But, um, yeah, uh, so so I'm sure that people are – I know people are doing DIY because I hear about it. Um, And, um, look, um, it's very difficult because – so we're talking about should the government prime the pump by building stuff? Well, at the end of the day, it's interesting. We've moved away from the notion that the government's job is to make sure that there is a – Uh, trouble-free environment for individuals and for companies to go about their business creating wealth to a situation where we are now it seems automatically asking the question what's the government going to do to keep businesses going you know uh, the government didn't do anything specifically to keep businesses going during the great depression which was what about 90 years ago when something similar happened of a similar moment happened Um, so this is an interesting notion and and when you're doing this of course unless you're relatively wealthy like singapore well, what you're doing is you're borrowing money against the future and this money has to be repaid by taxpayers in some shape or form so there's a really serious question around how much government should actually be investing and whether or not they shouldn't let the chips, chips fall where they may you know
0: that's uh that's tough medicine for the thousands of people who run an sme though simon
1: um, it is tough medicine. Um, I think that one has to be realistic, though. I mean, I, w- when we talked before, uh, what we what we said, and I think this is this holds good now, is that there, if we think about it in this way, there are some companies that are simply holding on because they are being granted a moratorium, but will not be able to sustain their businesses once the moratorium is taken away. There is really no benefit to the com- country or the taxpayer to sustain those enterprises because. Taxpayers' money is being used to support enterprises which are going to go bust anyway, owing a pile of money in most cases. Um, but there are many who, for whom this will help to tide them over. Those are the ones that should be embraced and preserved. Um, and I think the challenge is to differentiate between the two. Yeah?
0: Okay. Well, let's pluck this apart a little further. If you're going, if you're going to say that the SMEs that were, are destined to fail should be let to fail, as a capitalist system uh, usually uh, portends, then – you know, a lot of the government assistance of unemployed people is to get them back into work. Well, their work may not be very profitable right now, but at least they've got some. So rather than forcing them into unemployment and then rescuing them from unemployment, isn't it a much better shortcut way to just rescue their businesses so that they stay yes, in if employment?
1: There is a, if there is a business at some point in the future which is going to make money, and that's really the point, um, you know, in some sectors, big chunks of the market will simply disappear. Hospitality will never quite be the same again. Um, You know, Food and beverage will not be the same again. Hotels will not be the same again. Uh, Airlines will not be the same again. Um, There'll be significant changes in the way that people take their holidays and where they stay and and how much money they spend. These things are not gonna come back, or if they do, we're talking probably years, if not decades. So sustaining those industries um, it raises a serious question. You're, you're sustaining something that really has no medium term future. So um, if I were to do, you know, I, you could take it uh, back of an envelope, figure out uh, figure out where the changes are, which industries are not sustainable and which ones are sustainable, and a government strategy to invest in those, that is industries that are going to carry on and possibly grow, would make sense.
0: Okay, so let's turn our attention to the practical end of this conversation. Let's say you are one of those businesses. You've been without revenue for a couple of months, or perhaps revenue has simply not bounced back anywhere near the levels that you were uh, uh, enjoying before the COVID crisis struck. You're standing in your office. Perhaps you've already furloughed or let go of some of your staff. Maybe they're on, on already on reduced salaries. You're looking around the office. What else should you be doing right now?
1: Well, uh, you know, I, I, before we um, we started recording this podcast, I um was looking over Riyabu's excellent credit policy advice that we give to small and medium sized enterprises, and you'd be amazed how many enterprises of every size leave the business of getting paid uh, to much later in their discussions with customers, so that you end up with an unpleasant discussion long after the invoice should have been paid but hasn't been paid. If you if you're not already doing it, there are significant things that you can do to alter the effectiveness with which you bill and collect revenue. Um, These are things that companies routinely ignore in healthy times, but those companies that don't ignore them and have good good disciplines in this area will be faring much better because there are two kinds of customer at any time. The balance has changed slightly since things became difficult. But the reality is one type of customer is a customer that though he may be struggling, still has money and is playing some suppliers every month. The other, the other type of customer is a customer that cannot continue because they are effectively insolvent, but they're, but they're basically keeping it going as long as they can. Well, that second type of customer you don't want to be doing business with. You want to be friendly to their cause and you want to do what you can to help them. But at the end of the day, you don't want to increase your risk. As far as the first type of customer is concerned, your requirement, if you're a small and medium-sized enterprise, is to manage your relationship with that customer from the get-go in such a way that you're one of the, you're one of the suppliers whom they pay in a timely fashion. And there are a range of things that you can do to ensure this, which begin with taking payment terms and credit policy seriously from the very beginning and at the very top of the company, that is the boss of the SME, the leadership team. Uh, you'll be amazed how reluctant Many business leaders are even to engage in a discussion of payment terms and receivables. And the consequence of that is, when it comes to collecting the money, you're at the back of the queue when it comes to getting paid.
0: In other words, use the current time to restart on a different footing. If everything, if, the, if your whole industry is already going to be different, you might as well change your processes to get paid on time at, before you head into that.
1: Well, to use an un- unpleasant hospital uh, metaphor, it's triage, isn't it? The ones that uh, aren't gonna survive you are compassionate, but you put them to one side, and the ones that are going to survive, you do what you can to sustain them. Um, and that's essentially what we should be doing now, rather than randomly trying to keep everybody alive in the vain hope that somehow everyone will make it through, because they won't. Look, in Singapore, we have the data, record numbers of SMEs year on year were firing for insolvency even be- even before COVID happened. Um, we haven't seen the numbers because, of course, there is a moratorium on rent payments and other things in Singapore. What are those numbers going to be at, in the fourth quarter of this year or the first quarter of next year? You know, minus intervention, they're going to be very, very high indeed. Yeah? The important thing is if you're supplying to them, to cut your losses with those that don't seem likely to make it and to strengthen your relationship with those that seem likely to make it. Yeah.
0: Of course, we wish all SMEs the very best. We hope you will pull through this crisis as best you possibly can, but also take the opportunity to relook at how you've been uh, running your processes in the past and make sure that you come out of this better than you went into it. Thank you, Simon. And looking forward to our next podcast. And if you'd like to join us on the podcast or you have some comments, some contributions, maybe a question that you'd like us to address, drop us an email service at Riabu.com.
1: Thanks, Mark.